you know, I've often found that no one person has the right answer, but collectively you will get to the right answer. So unless you give everybody the information for them to help understand what's going on, you will not be able to get to the right to the right answer. Welcome to episode number 69 of the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andy Tempty, and today we've got Raghu Krishnaya joining us as our first guest in, guest in our mini-series on the importance of building the skill of data literacy in both individuals and in teams. Raghu is the Chief Operating Officer at the University of Phoenix, one of the world's largest online educational institutions focused on creating opportunity for working and underserved students and adults. Thank you for sharing your talents and insights with us today, Raghu. Well, thanks, Andy. Looking forward to, to the conversation, and uh, thank you for uh, inviting me today. Yeah, and you know, in full disclosure for our listeners, Raghu and I used to work together uh, at Kaplan. That was uh, that was now years ago, but I just have a very uh, warm spot in my heart uh, for our time uh, working together, Raghu. So, uh, you know, as we always do, before we get started, uh, please tell our listeners your story. Sure, absolutely. So, I've only been in higher ed about twelve years. And, uh, you know, I still credit everything I've learned in the space to what I did and learned at Kaplan, working with you and all the other guys in the, in the higher ed group there. But before that, I was in technology, management consulting and banking. I've done a startup. I've worked in publicly listed companies and nonprofits. And I got to tell you, this broad experience, while it sounds kind of you know, uh, all disconnected, it really gave me an in-depth view of how data is used and can be used within a company to create superior outcomes, regardless of where you, what you're doing, what role you're in, or even what, uh, what industry or company that you're in. So I, I found it very valuable and to, uh, to have this experience across the base. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you had to uh, pick one event in your life that just put rocket boosters behind your career, uh, what would that story be? So for me, it would have been running a startup. So we were, I was working in, uh, it was back, uh, it's a while back, so I'm not going to date it myself <laughs> on this one at this point, but uh, <laughs> um, we're, we were trying to build a business that would allow us to do data analytics and, and back office support from India. And this was a time when India and Pakistan were butting heads, let's put it nicely, yeah. at that point in time. Um, and so what I, what I think would really help is I, I got to, when you're a startup, you do everything. Right. You have to learn very quickly. You have to act very quickly and you have to make and decisions based upon the data you have and the data you don't have. What you don't have, you have to go find and, and understand how to use it. So I think just being able to get involved in every single aspect, not only the running the business part of it, uh, working with clients part of it, but also being to, you know, trying to understand the geopolitical implications of what you're doing and how that can be shaped. Uh, to me, that's really what's what's what I think uh, boosted my career and having that chance to do it. Because from there, I went into a very senior role at a public mid-sized bank. And I don't think I would have gotten that kind of boost if I had not done what I did in the startup. Well, this is uh, one of the reasons why uh, I've uh, chosen the first guest to be a chief operating officer because of, uh, you know, that really uh, breadth of experience that, that you have. And I've you know, we've heard from a number of our guests uh, in, in the past about the, 
the importance of that first experience with a startup and how formative uh, that was. Uh, but let's dive into the topic at hand today, which is data literacy. And I'm being very purposeful with my language there. Uh, it, we've had many series on financial acumen and business acumen, but now we're talking about literacy, which is uh, is a, a step down uh, a bit from from acumen. So if I if I stacked up acumen and literacy, I'd put acumen up here and literacy down here. When you hear this phrase data literacy, what does it mean to you? Yeah, so the word literacy is actually quite interesting because it, it implies amount of, of capability that you have to have, right? It's not it's not simply being able to like you talk about literacy from a reading perspective, not just being able to read, but having an efficacy of that of a certain level. Yeah. So when I think of data literacy, I always think about it as the more broadly, the ability of an organization to use data effectively to gain meaningful insights, but more importantly, to make decisions in relation to and focus activities against those insights. So it's really having the, you know, the, the ability to utilize that in a meaningful way to get meaningful outcomes for yourself. And as, as you know, Andy, because um, you know, I learned a lot of this from what you taught me along the years, it's, it's about the, you know, if I break it down as many parts of this, right? The first is really about the process of making decisions, starting with the data. First and foremost, start with data before you go and make a decision. You know, you ask the right questions, identify what you need to find out, and then interpret any data you get into meaningful information that you can use, right? And then go on and build on an ongoing basis, a knowledge base, so you don't lose this, 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 this uh, capability so you can speed up future decisions. But to me, that's one of the, one of the main things around it. It doesn't mean ignoring all your prior experiences, but it means sort of utilizing your prior experience as an overlay to understand the data, as opposed to starting with your prior experience and then saying, well, is there any data to support it, right? <laughs> yeah. Start with the data first, which I know a lot of people like to do, uh, but really let the data first. And oftentimes it'll tell you something which you never would have expected, right? Right. So that's kind of one part to it. To me, the second part is really to have an understanding of how the data was acquired and what it actually represents, right? And you know, example we use, I've always seen is, in the university, we've got, I'd say, 16 different definitions of student progression. But they're all very different, and they all have different uses and different meaning for it. But we just have to understand what each of those data points means so that we can understand when and how to use it as we think about interpreting it around it. And I think the last part of this whole thing is, it's we have to make sure that, especially those of us who are leadership positions, that we communicate clearly on how best to interpret all the data we get. It's very easy to take what's there and see it in a light that you want to see it in, as opposed to seeing a light that it needs best to be to be seen in. And that's why I always say you should overlay your experience uh, onto the data rather than simply just let the data speak for itself or let your experience speak for itself. Right, right. Well, th that's a, those are very, very uh, rich definitions. Uh, I'm really excited to, to move on in this conversation. You know, you're, you're a chief operating officer of a large organization, and uh, as such, you have a unique vantage point that looks up and down and across the, the business. What role should chief operating officers play in improving data literacy across the organization? Yeah, from my perspective, nearly all companies are becoming digitally savvy. 
right? They either started the digital transformation or it's already, quote, done or it's well underway. So I think the next step for all of them, beyond being digitally savvy, is to become data savvy. And, and what that means, you know, becoming data savvy is not just having data. I mean, we all have tons of data we collect. I think we've got petabytes of data we have at our fingertips around it. Um, but becoming data savvy is really a cross-functional, cross-business unit capability. And in many ways, it can help break down silos that often exist between groups. Um, and it you know, typically requires actually bringing together data from various groups, integrated managers to make it work, which I think is another way it actually helps, helps break down silos. So as such, I think that the chief operating officer is given the unique and innate expectations of the role that requires it to collaborate across all organizational boundaries. I think that, that the CEO needs to be an evangelist first and really sort of talk about the power and benefits that you can get from becoming data savvy. And, but also needs to be on top of that an advocate for data literacy, an advocate for the organization to pull together and, and, and create meaningful connections to be able to best use the data, right? So you have to understand, you know, the benefits towards building this capability and get people's buy-in towards it. Um, ensure that they have the tools and the time to develop the skills to utilize them because you really have to develop a skill. It's not what you would normally have in other ways. And people build, you know, um, skills in communication. They may build skills in, in uh, strategic thinking and so forth. But data has to be on the same level. How to use data, how to interpret data, how to make decisions from it. That's a skill you have to develop around it. So you have to make sure they have the tools, the time, and the training to go do that. And I think the last thing I'd say is that um, you got to help continuously show the proof, the benefit, right? They have to be able to see, yes, if I did this, I would get this. Um, example I've, I've got internally is, you know, we, several years back, we were trying to build an analytics team within the operational groups. And as you know, it's next to impossible to find externally people who have this skill. And it's next to impossible to hire them at a reasonable price point that you can afford. I mean, we're an educational company. We're not a bank. Right. Our margins are very different, right? We have to be a lot more conscious about the, uh, the costs of, 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 of individuals and, and so forth. So we decided to build it ourselves from internal. And I think that direction that we took uh, did wonders. We took people who were traditionally working with students directly on phones and chats and emails, and we identified those people, and they also self-identified that they were interested in building these skills and these capabilities. And over the course of about 18 months, we built a 40-person team that is today allowing us to work faster, work more efficiently at a much lower cost point for the entire business and be able to improve the outcomes for our students in a way we never could have done if we didn't have the team. So I think just building those proof points and, and using your own resources as an example helps build that connection around the, around the uh, university. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a fantastic segue, uh, Raghu. Uh, where should improving data literacy sit amongst the dozens of competing training priorities that a large organization faces? Uh, in your opinion, is data literacy in the top 10 skills of the future in your organization? Yeah, you brought up, I guess, uh, what is it? Typically, a lot of them people say the pain point is that they're always being asked to train. Right. 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 And, right. And there's a, there's there's never ending to it. Right. You, you've got to be training to keep abreast of all the product enhancements and policy changes your organization has. Um, you have to be abreast of all the operational compliance things you're accountable for now uh, and using new tech tools. And there obviously there's always HR needs 
that come up, you have to be trained for. But I view data literacy in any role you're in as a must-have competency, even more specifically for anyone who's in a management position. So I definitely say it's in the top 10, perhaps even in the top three, and if not top three, at least the top five around it. Right. And I understand it needs to be balanced with building capabilities around, you know, strategic thinking, business knowledge, and, and other, other parts of running the business day to day. But um, you have to view this as something that does not live in a vacuum. It's used to be to build your capabilities in other areas as well. So you're going to have to build this, cap- this competency um, and build it to a level that's uh, much higher than, than some of the other ones. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is all leading to uh, the question that many managers and leaders uh, have, which is, uh, how do I balance specialization, uh, and you've already alluded to this, with uh, democratizing uh, data, uh, working on data and bringing data to life uh, within within an organization? Uh, so, you know, should, should we uh, hire a legion of data scientists or... Uh, your approach where you took folks who were working in the business and retrained them, reskilled them uh, to, uh, you know, to, 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 to bring data to life within your organization. What, what is your advice on that, on that balancing act, specialize versus democratize? Yeah, I think there, you know, from my experience, it's, it's, it's specific to this, to the situation that you're in. And I would say there's no one approach that works best. Um, and in all the companies I've been in, it's been done slightly differently around it. But I'm a big believer that if you want to create an organization that is nimble and agile and can and wants to move and adapt more quickly, you need to democratize and disseminate the data and put the power of the information from the data in everybody's hands so they can help guide and shape decisions. Um, you know, I've often found that no one person has the right answer. But collectively, you will get to the right answer. So unless you give everybody the information for them to help understand what's going on, you will not be able to get to the right to the right answer, right, as as easily as possible. So um, you have to find a way to create technical and operational marriage of data, right, and sort of put it together. So I typically look at this as a value chain approach around around it comes to data, right? There has to be an effort focused and a group focused on ensuring the integrity of the, of the data, right? How it comes in, uh, what the data fields mean, and then who uses it and how they use it, right? And make sure you have governance around how that's collected and utilized across the board on an ongoing basis. That can only be one voice to that. If you have too many voices, it's going to just create chaos. You need one voice around, around, around doing that. The second part is what you mentioned. You have to have an effort around democratizing it. Uh, and that takes a lot of work, right? You have to be able to not only have to pull this stuff together, but put it out there in a way that people can consume it without having to get into the finer details of what's in each particular data element. Right? They have to be able to know that this data means it refers to this particular item. And they have to be able to then be able to put that in what typically is often seen as reports or, 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 or um, customizable reports as opposed to you know one specific reports. But it puts the power in everyone's hands to be able to, to readily use that information for whether it's operational decisions they want to make, staffing issues they want to make, or some other analytical needs they want. But whatever their specific use case is, they have the ability to go do that without getting into the finer details of you know, cleaning the data and, you know, and, and uh, making sure it's accurate. 
And so that's kind of the second part around the value chain. The third part is, and this is how I built, you know, we built that team. You need to have ongoing analytics support. You need someone who's going to look into the data, dive into the data, do data mining, find the information out, be able to answer, uh, you know, everyday questions for you so you can help you make, make decisions. See what, like, for example, if things are going sideways in your business, how do you find out what's causing it to go sideways or it's going really well? It's great to celebrate, but you also got to say is how long is it going to go well? Right. Um, so I think you need that, that piece. And I think finally, I, I'm a big believer. You should have a small group of dedicated data scientists and specialists who really know uh, at a very high level how to build things such as analytical models, predictive models, um, and, and build tools that can help you become more effective in running your businesses without having to always go back and analyze independent pieces. Right? It allows you to let the information and data go and then drive work for you down the road. So if you look at it, there's lots of different pieces around it, but I'm a big believer that you can democratize and create these focused groups and efforts you're going to be more successful over time. Yeah. It, you know, this podcast is called the balancing act podcast for a reason. I like, I like these questions where it's, it's, it's really, it really is a balancing act. And a uh, little later on in the show, we're going to talk about ownership uh, of data. And that's where I've seen things, this balancing act break down where one group believes that they're the owner and they, they, they've got control of the data and we're going to treat it like state secrets uh, versus, you know, the other side of the equation where you do uh, democratize. But we're going to take a really quick break for a commercial. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andrew Tempty. In my book, Balancing Act, Teach, Coach, Mentor, Inspire, I explore the characteristics required of leaders who must find balance between strength and vulnerability, confidence and selflessness, passion and measure, and leadership and followership. Balancing Act is available today at Amazon.com. And we're back. So we're with Raghu Krishnaya. We're talking about data literacy. Uh, it is November 2022 when we're recording this. And, you know, businesses are just awash in data. There's a lot of talk about monetizing and leveraging data to help create competitive advantage but many businesses fail to do this effectively. In your assessment, what's the primary blocker for a business or institution to truly unlock the value of the data that they're generating? Well, Andy, I think just before the break, you mentioned um, a very critical piece that can be a blocker. People feel they own data. They own their piece of data. And they don't want to share that data, right? Because it's like uh, data gives you power. You have more information than someone else. That is definitely a block around it. But you have to always get get beyond that. And I think that's where the role of the COO or anybody in the, in the organization, particularly the senior executives, need to think about data as a as a tool, just like Microsoft Office, for everyone to use to become more more competitive. So to me, that is one blocker is is helping people get over the mindset. But I think the biggest blocker um, is that organizations don't invest the resources to create the right architecture to allow you to democratize and unlock the data for everybody, right? I mean, at the university, we, we invested heavily years ago 
you know, and making sure we had a, we were able to pull together a team and also the information in a centralized place with strong governance around it. And that allowed us to do two things. One of, one was, as you just mentioned, overcome the silos around it, right? Yep. Um, but more importantly, allow us to then be able to, to, for everyone not to have to think about whether the data was, was, was dirty or clean, but worry about more about how do I not use this in a way to create meaningful change around it. So I think that's, that's one of the biggest blockers is that you have to make sure you invest appropriately to create that architecture. And this takes time. It's not a two month, six month effort. This is a multi-year effort to do this well and to continue to do it around it. And I think sort of related to that as a blocker is we, we have to, as organizations, be willing to partner with others to accelerate our goals. Oftentimes we think that we need to do everything. Right? We can do everything. We have all the power in our hands to do everything. No one else knows our business. Right. No one knows our tools as well as we do. And while that's true, there's partners out there that can work with you who are very good partners. And I use the word partners you know, uh, on purpose. It's not about a vendor, but having someone that you can work with to help solve problems with you and set things up with you in the way that's going to be best for you. And so I always encourage people, uh, don't forget partners are out there. Go and be actively looking to create strong partner relationships that can often be more cost effective and will also also uh, help you speed up some of the work that you're trying to do that you may not be able to do yourself. Yeah. Uh, so this is a really, really value-adding conversation. Now let's get to maybe a specific recommendation. Uh, what have you seen work well within organizations and institutions to capture the value of its data? And are there any specific experiments you'd recommend to other leaders uh, to move from the talking to the doing? Yeah, I think the the, the value capture of data and um, it's really worked well in areas where you have institutional alignment on what the objective is that you're trying to solve for. And every group can understand their roles is living to that, right? So my advice would be always start with uh, what is very well known in the, in the tech world. Start with a problem statement. What is the use case that you want to solve for, right? And engage all the you know needed subject matter experts to develop those use cases around it. Um, and develop the technical experts so you know exactly what's needed to go pull the information together in a meaningful way to go be able to utilize it, right? So it's, it's more of sort of you can set up this value chain by focusing around the use cases that you're trying to solve for and start with that first. It's easy to say, I want to build a big data warehouse, but at the end of the day, you got to, it's for what purpose? So start with what you're trying to solve for and then and work towards it. Um, one example I can give you is we were trying to raise student outcomes as, you know, that's what our business is about. How do you get more students to be successful? Right. And, um, and we're trying to do that, though, without having to add more people. Our business was used to be historically very focused on, on having people to support other people. And then we still need people to support, but you don't need people to support other students in every single scenario. So we were able to use data. We said a use case is let's, let's go find a way to raise outcomes without adding people. And we found a solution that allowed us to do two things. One is find ways to prioritize work for our, our staff. So they didn't work on everything. They worked on the most important things. Right. And that was a, a, a use case that we found that we found a solution around, around doing that. And so we were able to focus on the most at-risk students who need the most immediate support. We had our data scientists build a predictive model for us. We had our technical staff help figure out how to use that data model to drive 
work to the individuals at that point in time, and then to prioritize that work, working with, with our operational teams to make sure that the, the information, the models, and everything all worked in sync. And with that, we were able to you know, improve the outcomes and not add any staff to, to the organization. So that's a very powerful thing because now that extra money, you can now reinvest in more ways to help students be successful. And so that's that. Start with start with that. And as with any of these type of things, you know, I'd say start small. Yeah. Everybody wants to go for the, the big shiny object, the big home run. Yep. You know, go for the single. There's nothing wrong with that. Go for a bunt if you have to. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But you know, pick a simple use case, prove it out because this can get really complex really quickly. Yeah. So start small, start easy. And then once you get going, you, you know, you build some, you know, experience, you kind of get your sea legs up and running. So kind of another way of putting it, move more, move something more complex and move more quickly and, and, and you know, just keep moving forward. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree with you. You know, getting those quick wins and, you know, the, the, the bunt is a very underrated uh, baseball, uh, baseball move. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, the, the, I, I can't, I just can't, uh, overestimate the emotion and the ownership that that sits in many organizations well this data is mine and and the the you know the internal struggles that happen so if you can demonstrate some quick wins with small experiments uh, that is uh, going to be one of your best tools to get uh, the the folks who want to you know keep things in silos and to themselves uh, you know, to, to open up that transparency and that, uh, that democratization. So really, really appreciate your insights here. You know, in addition to your role as chief operating officer, you are the leader of a major education company. What advice do you have for educational leaders? So assume you've got, uh, 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 the pre- the president of uh, another educational institution, or uh, you know, a superintendent of schools, or somebody sitting right in front of you. Uh, what do you tell them to improve the data literacy of their graduates? Yeah, I, I, I'd say just what we talked about earlier. Make it a top priority, right? If not your top three, make it definitely a top five priority, and find ways to have bring along the rest of your staff and your teams to also understand the importance of it and the need for them to make it a priority as well. It doesn't have to mean that you'd spend all your time doing this, right? But it needs to be a priority. Whether it's 10% of your time, 20% of your time, whatever it is, it still has to be one of those things that you do You do every, every single day. That's gonna be critical for making decisions, for developing solutions, delivering results, helping your students become more successful. And we know now with all the data that's out there, to your point, Andy, and that you're going to have to know how to live with it and utilize it, right? Every company from Twitter, well, Twitter is probably just an example, but <laughs> anyway, every company out there is using the information now to, to figure out what to do next. And their help, and those that do it well tend to grow much more quickly than my experience than those that don't. So I'd say just make it a priority would be my, my advice to all these, all these leaders around this area. Awesome. Uh, so we're closing out the show. Really, really appreciated re- reconnecting with you. Uh, what's uh, one thing that you're really excited about uh, at the University of Phoenix? You know, it, this university is a fascinating place to, to be at. And uh, this is the longest I've ever been anywhere has been working in my career has been at this university. I love the people. I love what we're doing and our mission and what we're trying to accomplish. 
what I find most exciting now is uh, the vast majority of students that come to here, come to the University of Phoenix, are looking to advance in their career, right? And every education institution is helping to train people to be successful. But very few now are now explicitly uh, linking career and learning in an integrated fashion and thinking about that for their, for their students. So what's exciting to me is we are, we are looking at what's the next version of learning look like from a career standpoint. And how do we help our students, no matter who they are, no matter where they come from, no matter what their experience level is, be able to take the next step in career by helping them develop the capabilities that, and the skills they need to do that. So for me, it's very exciting because we're talking about a, a large transformation of the education and education institutions and how, how people think about education and the value that it provides. So super exciting time to be there. Yeah. You know, you, you and I both grew up in uh, uh, or part, parts of our career in organizations, uh, you know, for-profit education uh, institutions uh, that, uh, you know, a lot of people have looked their, down their nose at and uh, for, for good reason for, for, the, for the bad players out there. But, uh, but the innovation that uh, the, especially in the form of uh, online learning and getting that right uh, is is really the the hallmark of uh, of institutions like the University of Phoenix. And I'm proud to have you on the show. I'm proud of the work that uh, that you're doing. So thank you so much for being here today, Ragu. Well, thank you, Andy. It's always great to see you, and I again thank you for uh, for having me here today. Awesome. Well, this is Andy Tempty. This is the Balancing Act podcast. You can find us on all the major podcast services. We're now on YouTube, uh, so you can find us there as well. Please like, subscribe, rate, share. Uh, the insights that Ragu had today are impactful. They are immeasurable. So please do uh, share this with your colleagues. Thanks and have a great day.